0: Hey everybody, I'm Nick Gelfast, I play Dr. Halstead in Chicago Med, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's.
1: next to your family, and to me, there's nothing more important. Not going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride.
0: Hey, shyhearts! Welcome to episode 132 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we're going to cover episodes 14. So 514, 814, and 714. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: So we're going to start off with the news today. And I think it's a good thing that we don't really have a ton. So that's nice.
1: Mm hmm. Very nice.
0: It's either we have like no news at all or like 40 minutes of news.
1: Right, it's no in-between.
0: No, no in-between. So all we have today are the episode descriptions for the next episode. So they're not airing this coming week. We have a week off, so just remember that. But this, these are the descriptions for Chicago Med along with the crossover that air on February 26th. So Chicago Med 515 is called I Will Do No Harm. Dr. Charles and Dr. Manning treat a patient who is fully invested in pretending to be someone other than himself. Noah begins to doubt his abilities as a doctor. Dr. Marcel and Dr. Choi are faced with a tough ethical decision. And Dr. Halstead puts his faith in an addict.
1: I mean, it doesn't really sound that much different from every other week, but. No, I'm curious to see this Noah storyline.
0: I was going to say, I need to know who hurt Noah because I need to come for him or her.
1: Right. Like, I don't want him to leave. So hopefully he finds, he believes in himself again by the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, he's not allowed to leave. That's not allowed.
1: No, at all.
0: No. What's that line from The Help? Like, Noah, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important.
1: He's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And Dr. Halstead puts his faith in an addict. Why don't you just say Hannah? Like. Right, and
1: puts his faith... <laughs>
0: Hey-o. <laughs> i mean
1: i i don't know i don't know if that's that's probably not code for anything but like <laughs> we'll, we'll get there we'll get
0: there so chicago fire 815 is called off the grid this is the first part of the crossover Brian, will you take us through it
1: Yes. So it says in a two-show crossover event with Chicago PD, a series of teen opi- opioid overdoses sees Severide partner with Sean Roman but begins to suspect there is more to the story than his old friend is telling him. Casey tries to be there for Brett as she considers her mother's offer to meet. Um since when and Sever- when were when were Severide and Roman ever friends?
0: Never. Have they ever even interacted?
1: <laughs> I don't
0: think so. I just thought that language was funny. This is what you get when NBC, not the writers, write the episode descriptions. Too funny. I mean, old friend. Old friend. Oh my God. Yeah, air yeah. quotes, air quotes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And PD 715 is called Burden of Truth. Part 2 of the crossover with Chicago Fire intelligence searches for the dealer who caused multiple overdoses and is connected to Roman's missing sister. The case becomes a homicide investigation when they find the dealer's dead body. All right. Okay, like that. I'm excited for this crossover. I'm excited. I think I think it's not going to take long before we're tired of Roman, but I'm excited. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, like, five minutes in. I'll be like,
1: can you leave now? <laughs>
0: is it time? Yeah. Uh, have you seen the promo photos? Yes. I never knew Severide and Ruzik working together was something I needed in my life. But, like, inject that into my veins. <laughs> for real. For real. Sever Ruzik is born. Um. Yeah. It's, it's just, Stoked. like, battle of the eyes of, like, who has the dreamier eyes. It's pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great pretty great so i'm excited so uh yeah and so those are the episode descriptions um one last thing before we jump into the episodes brian i'll let you take this
1: yeah um just a reminder daniel Kyrie is in the thing about harry which is premiering on freeform this saturday at central and the cinematography is done by Jason Crothers, who we interviewed this summer in episode... I don't remember which episode, but it was back at, like, the end of June. Um, And it was shot in Chicago, so... And it's really cute. I've seen it. It's really cute. Um, yeah. Go watch. Go watch. Yes. Yay.
0: Support
1: Daniel.
0: Because Daniel's the best.
1: Yeah. He doesn't have a big part, but still, go support him. Maybe one day he can teach us about TikTok. For real though.
0: I know. Um, by the way, listeners, you guys came in clutch last week because we got a couple DMs with people who were like, "Okay, let's explain TikTok," and it actually really helped. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I still don't know if I'll ever use it, but it definitely helped help me know what it was. So
0: I'm tempted, but I know that the minute I sign up, like it's all downhill from here.
1: Don't do it. <laughs>
0: no, no. I just I feel like simply by virtue of being over thirty, I can't like. But yes, you can. I know I can. Lance Bass has one, and he's like forty, but it <laughs> makes sense to me. <laughs> Not that it doesn't make sense. I just I think all of my productivity would go down the drain because I'd constantly be like, "Ooh, I want to dance." Yeah. So yeah. Don't know. All right. Without further ado, let's move on into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So Chicago, Ned. There were so many movie par- moving parts this week too. There was so much happening.
1: It was so hard to outline because there was, like, a ton of shit happening.
0: Oh, good. It wasn't just me. I felt really bad. I was like, why is this not coming to me as easily as it usually does?
1: No, it was hard. It was weird. And they
0: were like, yeah,
1: yeah, it was hard.
0: Because, like, nobody had, like, a long story. It was all just little short snippets. Yes.
1: Yes. I was just about to say, like, the sections in the outline are not that long, but there's, like, feels like 10 of them, even though it's like, I think four, but still.
0: But I'm not complaining. I mean, it keeps you on your toes and the hour goes by like super quick.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it made for a good episode. It was just trying to like break it down and diagram it essentially. That was hard. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: So let's start off with Will and Hannah because, you know, this is happening. Okay. So we start off the very first scene of the episode is that Hannah shows up to the safe injection site and will is just like what are you doing here and she's like what do you think i'm doing here um is it me or does he already have some hard eyes developing for her
1: What? She already does he already have what hard eyes like oh heart um yeah to an extent but it definitely comes in play by
0: the end his his savior complex is put into hyperdrive in this episode Right, I think it's more that than it is the hard eyes. True, true. Okay, so Will basically won't let her go in peace. He feels like he needs to like give her a lecture before she does anything. And so he's like, let's try to get clean. And she's like, why the fuck do you think I'm here? I'm not here to do that. And so he, and I use air quotes, talks her into, I'm using air quotes still, going to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And so she's like, all right, fine, I'll go. Which really is Hannah speaking for like, will you please shut up? Pretty much. I mean, it's so obvious. Yeah. So then we cut to Will outside the church. Like, okay, Will, I love you. You're adorable and you're a pain in the ass, but you're our pain in the ass. But you're being a stage five clinger. Stop it.
1: Yeah, it's like ridiculous, like truly and utterly ridiculous
0: What doctor waits outside a Narcotics Anonymous meeting?
1: Right. I mean, this is literally the savior complex in full force. Like, he wants to save her.
0: Yeah, and he's waiting outside the Narcotics Anonymous meeting the same way he was waiting outside for her to finish her surgery.
1: Right. It's ridiculous. And, like, okay, something we didn't talk about last week, but I'm curious to know your opinion on it. Is Will in the right? Like, does Will have the right, you think, To, I'm trying to think of the right word, the way the phrase is. Like, not black blackmailing isn't the word I want to, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hold her job over her head in order for her to get clean. Like, is that the right thing for him to do?
0: No, not at all. He's, he's abusing his position. To, I mean, he's okay. Maybe abusing his position is not the right word, but he is using his position as a doctor to basically fulfill this personal agenda of not really avenging, but like almost making up for his initial patient's death. And so he's, I right. think he's, he's trying so hard to get her clean and save her that he's using everything he can. And that's why he's dangling her job over her head.
1: Well, and does he have the right, regardless of his savior complex, like does he have the right to go is it his place, I won't say the right, is it his place to go to Goodwin in the first place, regardless if he hated her? Like, is it still his place to go to Goodwin and be like, yo, this is who you hired? I
0: think under normal circumstances, it would be. But I think in this instance, since he's been working on the side at the safe injection site, and he's been so, you know, shady with these actions, I think that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black, right? Like, he, she's... Right. He's not he, – he thinks he's coming in on, like, this this high horse to be all righteous and be like, mm, I'm the knight in shining armor. I'm saving the day. But no, he's just as right. much in the wrong as she is.
1: Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I just – I didn't know. We didn't really talk about that aspect of it last mm. week. So, yeah, yeah. He's
0: he's just being very righteous about this.
1: Oh, my God. It's annoying. It's, like, getting point where I'm just like, dude, can we not?
0: I mean, that's Will, you know, what are you going to do, right?
1: Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, it's the reason we love him, but it's, like, doesn't mean it's less annoying in the episodes, too. Like, I appreciate that he has this heart of gold, and he does want, like, at the end of the day, he just wants her to be clean, and, like, live the life that she's, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to be living, and not waste it. And I appreciate that. But, like, dude, your methods are annoying. Right. I mean,
0: yeah, he's trying to do the right thing here. But also, I mean, he's a doctor, so he should know more than anyone that you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Oh, 100%. So if yeah. she has no desire to get clean, he's just setting himself up for heartbreak.
1: Right. He just has blinders on.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So she never shows up outside the church because, I mean, duh, she was definitely just telling you that to shut you up. Well, come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. So later on in the episode, basically, we cut right to the chase and Will's leaving the safe injection site, which I was surprised.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I kind of expected him to leave at some point. Um, but I have a feeling, too, he will also go back at some point. Same. Like, I'm feeling this isn't over yet. Yeah.
0: Same. Because it's never that easy for Will. No. No. Um, there's also the scene where basically he's trying to or he tells Maggie that he has to basically do something hard or do something he doesn't want to do. And Maggie's like, yeah, well, in my opinion, it's better to just rip the Band-Aid off. OK, way to pull the pin on the grenade and run, Maggie. Jeez.
1: Right. I mean, in her defense, she doesn't know what she was actually advising, but right, still.
0: Right. Right. So, yeah. So Will leaves the safe injection site and he's but he's only leaving the safe injection site so he can blow the whistle on Hannah
1: and be okay with it right and that's not okay either no like if that's the case you should have done that from the beginning you should have just blown her cover from the beginning right right
0: and so what does will do to like disclose this to her like hey i'm gonna blow the whistle on you he invites her out for a drink at molly's will
1: right what are you doing Right. I mean, even if he had invited her out for coffee, still not cool. But, like, inviting her out for a drink, like, the addict really will. Really? really? (laughs) At
0: this point, he's just, like, messing with her like the puppeteer. Like, dance, puppet, dance.
1: It's so stupid.
0: It's bad. It's really bad. And so, basically, he invites her out to the bar where she can't drink because she's an addict. But she's just around all of this alcohol. Totally fine. And he basically is like, surprise, I'm blowing the whistle on you blackmail is not your strong suit will
1: but i think the thing that was honestly more confusing to me was that like she ended up agreeing to turn herself in like he somehow convinced her that like this is the time to do it like what she did that way too
0: easily though
1: right so like using him i don't know do you think she's got something up her sleeve i don't know it just seemed way too easy. Like, it just seemed like, especially for someone who in the beginning of the episode was literally, like, went to all these lengths to avoid going to an NA meeting mm-hmm. that Will wanted her to go to. And is now, like, you know what? I'm going to turn myself in and probably get fired from my job and get clean and blah, 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 All Like, all this stuff. Like, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a little too easy. But she was totally fine. She's like, I'll turn myself in. And then, you know, she went on this whole talk about how, you know, she doesn't want to be alone. And Will was like, no, I'll do this with you. I'll be here for you. Well, you barely know this girl. What are you doing?
1: Right. And she's like, you care. You really care. Huh?
0: <laughs> like, what? I mean, I think he cares about her, but I think he cares more about, you know, basically making up for I think
1: he cares... Well, yeah, I think he cares about her in the sense that, like, he wants her to turn her life around. But, like, does he really, like, care about her? I don't know. Like, he doesn't know her.
0: I I mean, I think They've been fighting this whole time. That's, yeah, but I think that's Will's love language. (laughs) Like, let's be real. Um, I think he cares about her, though. It's not in Will's nature to be, like, it's not in Will's nature to use somebody intentionally and just, like,
1: play with them. i think the way i think the way more that i mean it is just like she her comments like she seemed like she was gonna cry when she said that and yeah. it, that just it made it seem like she thinks he cares about her on this like deep deep level and mm-hmm. i think he cares about her but not that deeply mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah so she was just like she's like you care you really care and i was just like this is not the love of your life like what are we doing nope <laughs> nope
0: yeah so hannah agrees to turn herself in way too easily but then she invites him back to her place
1: i didn't see that coming i,
0: that I mean part.
1: i mean it. yeah i mean i figured they'd happen eventually but i didn't see that happening in that moment
0: i i, I have no words i'm just like i mean but we, we we figured it was headed this direction but also like that was fast
1: Right? Well, my favorite tweet, though, was probably the one that um, Connor sent us before the scene even aired. And he was like, he's like, I'm just sitting here at work waiting to see what Midas and Molly thinks about the scene. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said, I I thought this was coming, but like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think I just assumed it would be a little further down the line and it would feel more sincere. Yeah, And not, like, so hook Like, not so much as, like... Like, I figured they were going to happen, but I figured it was going to be after they like, bonded a little bit more and, like, actually, like, fell for each other. Like, mm-hmm. this just feels so hook Yeah. And not what I expected. No, I think they're like, going to fall Like, if we're comparing it... Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I, I, just, just I gonna think they like,
0: are going to end up falling for each other.
1: Right. I just feel like, for right now, I thought... Like, we compared it, we were like, oh, it's going to be a combination of, like, Anna and Camilla. Like, right now, this feels a little bit more Camilla than it does Anna. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So, Will's just getting himself into all sorts of trouble, which we just call a normal Wednesday.
1: Yeah, pretty much. So, hmm,
0: we'll see. We'll see. So, elsewhere, we had Chexton, and this is, like, the first Chexton story that made me, like, laugh really hard.
1: It's funny. There are some moments, though, that not even related to their patient, but, like, sex toy moments that I was like, what?
0: Right, right. So we start off with a super awkward moment between them in the elevator because, I mean, whatever.
1: So awkward. <laughs> so awkward. I can't even.
0: Truth be told, I really barely even remember it. So refresh my memory. What happens?
1: I mean, basically – April get they're like in the elevator together and April makes a comment about how like it doesn't have to be weird and then Marcel like pretends he doesn't know what she's talking about and like ignores the whole thing it was just like weird oh oh awkward. that moment and, like, yes
0: yes yes between April and Marcel I was like when Marcel said that he was like he said something like really smart ass or something and I was like do not come on to her in this elevator great. I will kill you
1: Right, and I was just like, and like, we're weeks out at this, months out from the event itself at this point. Like, why are we still having these weird, awkward moments and April keeps bringing it up? Like, oh, well, I'm going to save my rant for the end. Because she feels guilty. I know, but oh, I'm, I'm going to save my rant for the end. Okay. Because okay. I have feelings about the end.
0: Okay. okay. So April mentions to Ethan that Emily called and said that they could have Vincent's crib because Vincent's like two now, which, what? That's nuts. Um, but also, like, don't do that. That That's like a kiss of death in the Chicago universe. Like, did you, did you not see what happened last week?
1: Right. Do not take the crib. It jin- literally jinxes everything. Like, mm-hmm. why?
0: They are why? putting the cart before the horse. Bad.
1: It's so stupid. I, uh. Yeah, it's
0: bad. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, yeah. I'm willing to bet that the writers on the three shows don't talk and, like, mingle that much and so they're probably they probably have no clue of like hey you know we should probably handle this baby story with some you know kid gloves since you know burgess just had that happen
1: probably probably yeah Yeah.
0: so they get their patients it's two newlyweds and the wife has a rash now every single time ethan and april walk in these two are getting busy which like okay good for him good for them like you know go on with your bad self do your thing um april totally catches them having sex and she relays it to Mo- or Maggie. I almost said Molly. Maggie, and Maggie's like uh, the ED is like the last place I'd ever want to have sex. Or does April say that?
1: I don't remember, but yeah, they both agree. Yeah. So,
0: so at, this is the point in the episode where I texted Brina, and I was like, Brina, we we we're discussing this tomorrow night. Like, where where in the Chicago universe would you be least like, <laughs> where in the Chicago universe would you least want to have sex? Um, I'm gonna go with the cage. What do you think? <laughs>
1: that's funny okay i have like a two-part answer okay so on a sanitary level definitely the ed like uh -uh, not happening that's gross (laughs) uh on a like everywhere else level i'd say the for lack the quarters in um at the firehouse just because (laughs) like everyone has their beds in there and like that's just weird that's just weird yeah so no stellar ride getting busy in there Right. Molly's is definitely the place I think I'd most like to just because like everyone has hot hookups in there.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I'm trying to think of where else in, in the universe that we like wouldn't want to. Um, that random gravel pit where Severide met sweet little Nathan.
1: <laughs> the silos
0: The silos. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. No, that's that's funny. That's funny. Hmm, trying to think yeah. if there's anywhere else. But yeah, I think the cage would be a horrible place. Unless like you're yeah. into that kind of stuff, like Fifty Shades of Grey kind of style stuff. Like, but hey, <laughs> I'm nobody to judge. Yeah, no, no, no. So it's all fun and games until she goes into anaphylactic shock. And like, um, it's just a really odd moment. Like Ethan puts two and two together and what's going on? And he runs in and he's just like, listen, I'm not judging. I know you had sex. But did you finish? Uh, Ethan, could you have said that any louder? Calm down. Um,
1: Might be like the most awkward moment on bed we've ever seen. Big time. Big
0: time. I had a lot of secondhand embarrassment for this guy. Um, and he's like yelling it. It's like, Ethan, the whole ED is hearing you. Like, stop. Yeah. Just stop. Yes. <sighs> Yay. I know. So <laughs> it turns out, and this is a phrase that I'm like, I can't believe I'm about to say on the podcast. The patient is allergic to her husband's semen. I just said that. That is what I just said. I laughed so hard when that happened. But also like, okay, when these medical conditions come up that I'm just like, the fuck is this? I always Google it. And this one, I was like, I'm not touching that. No, I'm not Googling that. Hell no.
1: Yeah, you texted me that and you're like,
0: must not Google. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Nope. (laughs) Not touching that
1: with a 10-foot pole. No, thank you. Um, part of me really wanted to know and I almost googled it last night, but I was like, no. I'm I'm not doing it.
0: I I'm not even going to doubt that that's a real thing. I'm going to take everybody's word for it that really sucks for them. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Just weird, very cringy. Very cringey. Mhm.
1: Yeah.
0: So all of this somehow gets April thinking that the only time Ethan touches her is when he's injecting her with hormones. And so April gets home to a nice dinner and the crib, which is just like huge drinks, huge drinks. Yeah. um. And Ethan's all like, "Yay, I'm doing something nice. And her face is just like, I suck.
1: Yeah, it just <sighs> it really frustrates me that April is still. Like in that moment, like I saw her face, look on her that look on her face, and I was just like, "Girl, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you're fucking everything up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it drives me nuts mm-hmm. that she's still like, if you're feeling this conflicted still over the Marcel stuff, and even if it wasn't even directly about Marcel, like it was more like you still just didn't really know about Ethan. Like, either way." I think it's more about Marcel than it is not knowing how she feels about Ethan, but still like, it just drives me nuts.
0: If she's doubting her feelings for Ethan, I mean, she is letting this go way too far.
1: And I mean, she, even if she's not, even if it's just about not knowing how she feels about Marcel, well then go figure out how you feel about Marcel. Kiss him again. Like, I don't care. Like go feel, go figure out how you feel about him because it's driving everyone insane that you don't know how you feel about him. Yep. No, exactly.
0: Completely. And I mean, and I didn't, I, I like forgot about the Marcel thing until she made that face. And then I was like, oh, yeah, April's still holding on to this crazy ass secret. Well,
1: and the thing is, too, she basically told Ethan to do this. Mm-hmm. And then she had that look on her face. She was like, you don't touch me anymore. And, you know, we should go on a date. And he's like, yeah, we, you know, we should. And he like sets up this nice dinner and blah, 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 blah. And then she like had this like bitch face breasty bitch face look on her face and I was just like what are you doing right it drives me nuts Ethan deserves better
0: he does so I mean I would say hopefully April gets it together soon but she's not going to nope 100th episode is what 18
1: yeah something seven. yeah 18 so we've 18? got like
0: four episodes until then yeah yikes
1: literally yeah
0: All right. Next up is Marcel and Natalie. Brianna, will you please take us through them?
1: Yeah. So basically Nat and Marcel work on a husband wife duo who were brought in due to a car accident. Um, Natalie takes the wife. Marcel takes the husband. Um, Natalie, The the wife's in bad shape Not as bad as the husband But she's in bad shape And Natalie's checking her out And she's looking at her spine And she sees bruises on the wife But the wife, you know, of course Being a survivor of domestic abuse Just kind of swears that she fell And, you know, isn't actually being abused But over with the husband Marcel takes him straight to surgery Because he's in really bad shape And Marcel, what he's in there though Basically realizes that he's in Rhabdomyelosis Yeah what Gina said (laughs) do you know what
0: that is (laughs) no it's where your muscle breaks down and gets into your bloodstream um but when you pee it makes it like dark brown it basically your muscles are breaking down um I only know this because one of the gymnasts had it in the fall and USA Gymnastics was like it's a mild case and we were like that's not fucking mild that's a big deal
1: of course they were (laughs) yeah no of course they are. USA gymnastics would be so basically right in on Marce- Med. Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be hysterical. I'm not, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically Marcel was like, yo, we need to amputate this guy's leg. And so they go and tell the wife this and she flips out. And she, I mean, I think it's mostly cuz she's scared about his reaction if he wakes up. And so she decides that she wants to wait for him to try to wake up and so that he can make the decision on whether or not he wants to lose his leg. And Nat, of course doesn't think that she should be able to make this right decision because she's not in the right headspace and, you know, isn't going to make the actual medical decision that she needs to make. It's going to be emotional.
0: Right. When Natalie is like in the right place to suspect abuse, then she does that.
1: Manning ESP. (laughs) Yes, manning ESP. So they take it to and Goodwin's. like, we're going to get the ethics committee together, which like I was watching this and I was like, are they just do they just go to the hospital every day hoping someone needs them?
0: I imagine they do other stuff at the hospital and then if they need to be convened, they do. But seriously, give them right, all reasons. I was
1: just sitting there and I was like, yeah, I was like, OK, cool.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I about died when I, like, I was like, "Wait, Natalie suspects abuse, and we're convening the ethics committee." Like, if this were a drinking game, we'd be drunk off our asses right now.
1: I know. So the ethics committee comes back, and basically they decide to make to take away her decision. You know, making they decide to take her away this decision, and therefore end up amputating the leg.
0: I love and how sir, Marcel is like. So we're taking away her decision, like we're taking away an abused woman's right to choose because she's been abused,
1: right? Because Marcel always spitting that wisdom.
0: He like he he spins all of Natalie's bullshit in a way that you're just like that is pretty fucked up,
1: right? Finally, someone who can handle Man- Natalie's bullshit and actually mm-hmm. spin it into something smart and comprehensive. Mm-hmm so the surgery seems to go well and you know he's still on the monitors and everything but so far so good um but natalie leaves the room for a hot second is talking to sharon and the wife turns off the ventilator so he dies anyway this moment yeah and they end up taking to jail because duh she killed somebody Um, but like Marcel's really mad and he and Natalie are having this conversation in the lounge and he's like, you know, basically that was my plan, you know, essentially that was my plan the whole time is like, if she's got to make the decision and she let him just kind of hopefully wake up, he still probably would have died anyway. And she wouldn't feel this guilt. And he just basically tells her, he's like, you know, a victim of abuse is being hauled off to jail. In my opinion, that's lousy outcome.
0: So I didn't, which like. Catch all the details he of the scene. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't really catch all the details of the scene. So is he basically telling her that, you know, if you had just let her make the decision, he would have died anyways.
1: No, he's saying that like, if you had let her make the decision, and her decision was to let him wake up and make the decision for himself, that he was in such bad shape he probably would have died anyways before he would have woken up. Mm. And so that if he therefore died on his own, she wouldn't feel the guilt about the whole thing got it got
0: it you know what's such a killer about that scene is that i mean you know throughout the whole thing we're seeing natalie and goodwin be like we can help you we can help you and it just doesn't compute for her and then she turns off the vent and i mean the more i think about it, the more i'm like she probably felt that him dying was her only way out
1: yeah that's awful that's sad it's terrible um, but I will say going off the Marcel and Natalie aspect of it, I really like that Marcel is able to like challenge Natalie and like we said doesn't put up with her bullshit and like is going is pretty successful in like their sparring so far. Like I really have enjoyed seeing someone nat- put Natalie in her place.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're in the phase still where we're seeing him challenge her, but she hasn't really changed her actions as a result of it yet. I'm hoping that we're going to see that pretty soon.
1: No, but it's still a breath of fresh air scene, like, she thinks about it, right? She hasn't necessarily made the change yet, but she's like, oh. She, like, hesitates. And right. he'll, he'll be like, yeah, like, you know, he said he was, like, you know, a victim of abuse is being hauled off to jail, and in my opinion, that's allows the outcome. And she's like, she processed it. She was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she, like, still desperately like, didn't change anything, but still. And so I like seeing that part of it.
0: Yeah, it's nice that somebody's finally getting through to her. Yeah. Yeah. So we also had Elsa and Lanik um, and Dr. Charles. This is kind of like a threefer. Um, Brianna, will you take us through this one?
1: Yeah. So we start off with Elsa and Lanik. Also, hi, Nate. Hey, Nate. Um, Hi. And so they get a patient and the patient's a young boy who's in a vegetative state. Um, He comes in not having anything really to do with his vegetative state, but more because he got a pressure ulcer, basically a bed sore. Um, And so and it's infected. And so they treat him for that. Um, And so it takes him out and basically chastises his parents and is like, I'm going to go read you the manual or the pamphlet, not the manual. But still, he was kind (laughs) of a dick about it. Yeah, Lannick, not the nicest in this episode.
0: No, he was really like, he was kind of talking down to them. He's like, it should never get this bad. Okay, well, they're doing the best they can, Lannick. Calm down.
1: Yeah. And so Elsa stays back in the room, though, and she notices that his leg stays up while she's, like, tending to him. And then she, like, tests it on the other leg, and she's like, hmm. So she goes and grabs Dr. Charles, and as it turns out, he's in a catatonic state. And so Lanik, again, (laughs) because Lanik is terrible in this episode, um, is basically a total sore loser about everything. And so he's like, you know what? If you want it, Dr. Charles, it's yours. He's off my service. So take it.
0: He really is a sore loser.
1: Yeah. And so basically they take him off the ventilator because Dr. Charles is like, if he's catatonic, he should be able to breathe on his own. And that goes great. So, yay. (laughs) So, now they realize that it's not really something like the vegetative state. So, they need to figure out what's going on. And as I found out, I didn't realize this, but basically, catatonia is, like, the immobility induced by severe mental shock. So, basically, like, you can become catatonic from, like, emotional trauma. So, Dr. Charles is like, hmm, let's see if we can figure this out. And so... Xavier, that's the little boy. His stepdad Alvin is a cop who's been working on the DEA task force and is like very entrenched in the Chicago Police Department, is basically what we found out. Mm-hmm. So Elsa decides that she is gonna go behind everyone's back and call up C P D to try to get dirt on him. Which like Elsa.
0: I mean everybody Why? does it at med. Everybody does it.
1: Yeah, but not when that person's not the patient. I feel like people don't do it if it's not the patient.
0: Eh, I mean, nothing surprises me at bed anymore.
1: I mean, yeah. And so, I mean, it's, Elsa even said, she's like, Alvin's not the patient. It's not like I violated any HIPAA rights.
0: Um, I laughed out loud at that. Like, it, you're the only one in med history, if that's true, Elsa, because everybody violates HIPAA rights at least, like, five times an episode.
1: Yeah. And so, basically, I mean, like I said, Alvin's, like, very entrenched in the CBD, and so, like, at one point, he was his last case, like, there was an active threat against him. And so he moved out while that was happening and then ended up moving back into the house, like, a week before Xavier became catatonic. So Dr. Charles starts putting two and two together and thinks that, like, Xavier, even though he was only 10, realized the pressure that Alvin was under and, like, that he was bringing his work home with him. And he was stressed out, too, because obviously he loves Alvin and doesn't want anything to happen to him. So that's essentially what made Xavier catatonic. And so Alvin pulls Dr. Charles aside and basically says that, like, Dr. Charles was right about all this. And he says, he's like, you know, if I can protect my son just by stepping aside, then that's what I'm going to do. And so in the end, Xavier wakes up and it's like this very emotional moment. And like, I literally was cried, like Alvin says at one point, because he's like standing outside. The room like across the hall. And Alvin's like, that's my boy. And I was just like (sighs) all the tears.
0: That yeah, that was that Um, was a moment. This guy felt so bad, but he like he like yeah. It was sad that he felt that he had to leave, but also, you know, he wanted them to be okay.
1: Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, this was a pretty entertaining episode. Yeah. I really like this episode. Yeah, it was good.
0: It was good. So any other notes about Med?
1: Mm, Nope. I think that's it. I'm always really curious, though, like moving into next week, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the storylines, like when Med isn't the part of the crossover, like I guess even past that, like how they handle the fact that like this big thing is happening on Fire and PD and then there's just Med, (laughs) (laughs) like over by by its lonesome. Just Med yeah yeah
0: we got a double dose of will this week so that was cool
1: it was yeah it was exciting Mm -hmm. that was
0: nice so okay moving into fire this was a really good episode of fire like really really good so yes i was very excited lots of things going on to sum it up basically like protect blake gallo at all costs
1: protect gallo at all costs
0: and really that's about it right pretty much Moving into PD. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a lot of stuff going on here. We're going to start off with Cruz. So of oh, Joe, sweet Joe. So Cruz is freaking out about wedding planning. Like he's so stressed out, which like I feel bad for him. But also like, man, Chloe's really involving him in this. I thought the bride usually handles like all of it.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised he's just involved in it, but good for him.
0: Yeah. So, he was freaking out because apparently there's like 27 different flavors of cake and all I'm saying is that if these two do not have cake pops at their wedding, I swear. Like right? Like
1: they're doing something wrong.
0: Avenge the cake pops. This it's it's probably a one Chicago death <laughs> I will never get over. Too funny. Yeah. so he's freaking out about the cake he's just freaking out in general and Stella goes around the corner and Severide is just chilling in his little bubble he's just like mm, whatever he can't find his wallet so he's freaking out a little bit about that and so Stella's like hello like step up please you're the best man and Kelly's like alright fine I'm planning the bachelor party like cool whatever Um, so he starts planning and he gets all the details together which like um, a Kelly Severide bachelor party oh shit
1: okay so who from one Chicago would you want to play in your bachelorette party?
0: Okay. I thought about this. And my answer is Stella. Oh, 100%. Stella. Same. Yes. Because she'll yes. listen to you, but also she'll make sure it's like really, really fun.
1: Right. Yeah. No, if it's not Stella, what are you doing with your life? Exactly. Exactly. And so. Your bachelorette party will be no fun.
0: I think the only other person I might trust is Platt. Because like Platt's got like a fun side to her.
1: I feel like the only other person I would trust would be Maggie.
0: Yes! Oh my God! Yes, or like a Stella Maggie hybrid.
1: That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: Or April, I would trust April too.
1: Uh, I'm mad at April right now, so. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know, I know.
1: No, but it, that but was yeah. a no brainer. I was like
0: Stella, like hands down, Stella. She's fun.
1: Yeah, the Stella Maggie, the Stella Maggie
0: combo. I'm here for that. That's a that's a badass bachelorette party. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Kelly sets Cruz up to take a tour of his friend's club. Kelly Severide, who are you hanging out with still that owns a club? That is. Who are you hanging out with these days? So
1: why do you need a tour of a club? I like didn't understand that. Like why?
0: Yeah, you don't tour a club. You're you just want to go.
1: Right. Like this isn't the wedding venue. Like <laughs> Why are we touring the club? Why
0: are we touring the club? Yeah. Although I'm still I still want to know the wedding venue. It's a location in Chicago they have not used before.
1: I know. It's killing me.
0: It's killing me too. I know.
1: Hopefully Derek will post some like fun behind the scenes photos when they film it.
0: Yeah. They've used the bean. They've used Wrigley. They've used Soldier Field. They haven't used the big museum yet.
1: Which one? Wait, the art museum?
0: Maybe the art museum. Okay. There was no, they used a museum once. Maybe the field museum. Have they used the field museum? I don't think they have.
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: That would be bougie. All the seasons like a...
1: and the episodes run together at some point.
0: I went to a science museum when I was there in 2016. It was pretty big and pretty.
1: Hmm. I went to the aquarium. That's all I got.
0: Oh, the aquarium would be badass. I want to go to the aquarium. Can we go there next time we go to Chicago? Duh. I'm a child. I'm just like, fishies. And then Brian is like, to yes, pull can it go. together,
1: please. Yes, we can go. Yay. Thanks, mom. <laughs> you're welcome
0: so Kelly gets Cruz set up for a tour of his friends club but then Kelly bails on him Kelly Severide
1: I felt so bad for Cruz
0: I felt so bad for Cruz like I thought these days were behind him
1: I know and like Severide even says he's like I was saving the world like you know Cruz understands and it's like dude still but it couldn't have called yeah like couldn't have called him back right
0: Right. It's Cruz. He understands, but also he's kind of hurt by it. He's just never going to tell you that. Right. Right. Yeah. Dude. Dude. So Stella gets on him about it and Seph finally, like, pulls himself together. So, towards the end, Severide talks to Cruz at Molly's and, you know, Cruz is freaking out because the stress is getting to him and Cruz is just, like, rambling and he's like, what if this is a mistake? What if getting married just ruins everything between us? It could be a disaster. And Severide goes, then don't get married. Which, like, Ghost of season one, season two, Severide, is that you? Go away. We don't like
1: him. Right, but there's, like, a method to his madness, right? Because then Cruz goes on this thing and he's like, don't get married and just lose the best thing that's ever happened to me? A woman like her comes around once in a lifetime. I'd be crazy to let her go. And then Severide's like, well, sounds like you should marry her then.
0: That's a very Kelly Severide way to give advice. The most Severide thing ever. Pretty Severide, yeah. So, I, I mean... These two are going to be a good duo when the wedding rolls around.
1: I'm so excited.
0: I love their relationship. For this yeah. Oh no, I'm so excited. I, yeah, but it had better go off without mm-hmm. of a
1: hitch. I know. We don't need anything happening.
0: No. Whatever location they pick, I hope it's, like fire retardant and like cannot catch fire in any way, shape, or form.
1: Right. Just put a big bubble around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> so, sub riding and cruise. They got it together, thankfully. Um, of course, there were several eyes do the whole thing. I mean, there were just so many that I couldn't even pinpoint them. Mm. Um. Anyway, so we move into the gas leaks, because this was a big part of the episode. So they get called out early in the episode to, surprise, a gas leak. Um, and this is just such a like, big moment for Gallo. Now, granted, Gallo doesn't really have to do much for us to be like, oh, my God, that was amazing. So... <laughs> It's true, though. He pops up on screen and we're like, oh, my God, Gallo's in the kitchen. That's so great. Like,
1: I know. He just smiles and I'm just like, huh.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. Yeah. And so Gallo gets his first moment of like fire department call out and he gets his first injury. They grow up so fast. I know. I know. And it's not his first save. It's his second save.
1: I know, man where's gallo? the time gone i know i remember when he was a baby running marathons <laughs> and look at him now yeah
0: yeah we are shameless blake gallo stands on this podcast shameless
1: i yeah i mean we should just change all our social media bios to like proud gallo stands yeah
0: like, can we just change it's ridiculous this podcast, at this point can we just change the podcast to like a blake gallo stand podcast yes Okay, 100% perfect. Oh, and it's worth noting because this episode is coming out on Friday, which is Valentine's Day. Go wish Alberto a happy birthday because of course he's a Valentine's Day baby.
1: It literally just makes the most perfect sense.
0: The most perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So go tweet him and then come right back. Uh, Yeah, just perfect. So Gallo gets the girl out because Gallo, mm, he's so cute. Um, And I've got to stop saying that like I'm looking at a puppy dog. He's a human pull it together gina but at med gala runs into the parents and he runs into will and so we find out that the girl has burns over like 60 or 70 percent of her body and so blake's a little wound up uh you know it's just kind of he's a little wound up about it because you know we all know why but stella doesn't and so stella tries to lighten the mood a little bit and she gets everybody to share their scars which is just really sweet
1: i know i love that moment
0: um, I died a little bit though when Gala was like, "Where's your scar?" And she's like, "Only Kelly gets to see that scar, Stella."
1: I also really love knowing that because um, somebody asked Derek if the one if Tony's scars were real, mm-hmm. and they are, which is just kind of cool behind the scenes fact.
0: Yeah, yeah, behind his ear.
1: Which, yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah, only Kelly gets to see that scar. I thought that was hilarious. So Blake, thanks, Stella. And, you know, she tells him just to lean on everyone in the house, you know, just lean on everybody. And I mean, she's, you know, she's handling it great for not knowing. This Blake and Stella pairing, by the way, though, what a treat. I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Big time. It was definitely like an unexpected pairing, but one that I really liked.
1: When I feel like this whole episode was just. Pairings that we don't see like a ton or we've never seen before, mm-hmm. um, but all just like really solid pairings. Like you had um, Cruz and Severide, you had Gallo and Stella, you had um, Ritter and Mouch, like all just solid pairings.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, you know, he thanks Stella, she tells him to lean on the house and Casey, as Blake is leaving, Casey just goes, that seven year old girl, that's how old his sister was when she died. And Stella's like, oh shit! Like she didn't realize it, and so she ends up researching it. And we we also got like the cutest baby picture of Alberto
1: ever. Okay, did they not know? Because like I know that Casey knew, I know that Boda knew, and I think Sever I knew. But did everyone else not know? Was I don't that like think her so. finding
0: out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you think about it, that's not really his news to tell. Like Casey's, it's not. It's nobody else's news except for
1: him. Right, yeah, that's true. I just, I, like, couldn't remember if everyone else knew or not.
0: Does Severide know?
1: I feel like Severide probably knows.
0: Yeah, he and Casey always talk.
1: Well, just, like, when they, at that point, they were questioning, you know, Gallo being, like, a hothead and blah, blah, you know, like, all that stuff, so.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, stellar researches, and we get the cutest little baby picture of Alberto, which of course was the only thing we were paying attention to, like, gas leaks, important stuff, Oh, baby picture of Alberto.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Just every literally anything Alberto related, I'm just like,
0: oh my god. We are shameless. Shameless, I tell you.
1: I don't even care anymore. Like, I don't care either. Yes.
0: Like, I'm out in the open
1: about my love for Alberto. Mm-hmm. I don't care.
0: On this podcast, we love and protect Blake Gallo
1: at all costs
0: at all costs yes at all costs so we get another gas leak in the same neighborhood hours apart and there's a gas tech there and he can't really tell what caused the leak and this is the one in the like the hair salon right yes okay so i gotta like talk about this like crafty editing on the promo because we again we always know that nbc edits the promo nbc does the episode descriptions we we know all of these things so it's kind of out of the writer's hands they totally edited it together to make it look like Casey was gonna get stuck in there when it exploded, and like after eight years of this stuff, I fall for it every damn time. I was like, that it didn't explode, and I was like, editing, fuck.
1: Yeah, we're close, but
0: eight years later, yeah, and I fall for it every damn time. So they basically realize that like something's wrong, and of course, that's when our people from fifty one they go from firefighters to detectives. Which like, yes, please, let's do this. Cannot wait.
1: Yeah. Always the best.
0: It is the best. And, like, I I don't even mind it. I'm like, I realize they're firefighters and they shouldn't be doing this. But also, like, it's pretty much the best. Eh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is the true crossover.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they think it's not just related to their neighborhood and they start reaching out to other districts and they start to establish a pattern. And so Gallo goes to the hospital to talk to the mom. He lets her know that it wasn't her fault. And he buys her a blanket.
1: Just like the one his sister used to love and use for comfort, like, oh my god!
0: Can you like stop being so cute for a second, Gallo? Jeez.
1: But actually, though,
0: he bought her a blanket like his
1: sister. Hmm. Oh my god!
0: Something else I like too is when he goes to the hospital to talk to the parents. You can totally tell that like he is a mini Casey in training. Like you can tell that Casey's training is rubbing off on him now. And, like, even some of his mannerisms, I was like, wow, this is a total Casey move.
1: I love it, though. Like, Same. I love it.
0: Same. Yeah. Love it. I like that we've got a little Casey Jr. running around.
1: Yeah. But in the best way. Like, not in Casey's sometimes terrible qualities.
0: Yeah. No, in the best way, for sure. So, Casey, Severide, and Bowden, they go to the gas plant. And this is when Severide stands, crews up. Because, like, Severide really, really... um. And so it's an overpressure issue. And so they're like, yeah, it's going to take like 24 to 48 hours to fix. Okay. Well, in that time, of course, there's another gas explosion. And so this was the big moat fire, right? The one with like the kind of... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Derek tweeted talking about how like this is the first ever time they've done like a moat fire, which it's literally like a moat in a castle. It's like a a line that separates them, a line of fire that separates them from the building. Um, And so... Yeah, they, they, they basically they they, help, they figure out what the issue was and they fix it. And, you know, they solve the whole deal with the moat fire. They, like, build a bridge over it. Not build a bridge, but they use, like, some sort of piece of concrete to, like, get people up and over, which, okay, cool. I mean, neat. And they get a bottle of bourbon for helping them. And I love how Severide is like, really? Like, we Great. get a bottle of cheap bourbon? And Casey's like, well, if you're going to bitch, I'll take it.
1: I, I love it. I, know.
0: I love I love when Kelly gets pissed off and he's like really like we just saved the world and that's what you're
1: doing okay fine right but not even that like a uh, I deserve more it's like a you we didn't need this like we didn't need like a gift to do what we want to do and right. like are trained to do
0: yeah yeah so Gallo goes back to the hospital and Will is like you know you don't need to start like keep dropping by like I'll just text you updates and he's like no no he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep coming. just like he's perfect oh and he knows how to fold a fitted sheet like what
1: he is the true definition of a mensch he just he is a mensch
0: um if this thing with violet doesn't pan out i'm gonna need him to go on the bachelor
1: no i want him he's not going on the bachelor i
0: he knows how to fold a
1: fitted sheet i know somebody better wife him up or whatever he better wife someone else fast that's the way i should say it
0: (laughs) i just i mean i literally thought the only person on the planet who knew how to fold a fitted sheet was my mother never really well my
1: mother and blake gallo and blake gallo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah like if i'm gallo and i have like an online dating profile that's going in my profile it's like knows how to fold a fitted sheet right
1: that just needs to be the bio right there
0: yeah Yeah, so, like, when they were debating, I'm like, hmm, Gallo's kind of a hothead. The debate should have been over at Like, yeah, but he knows how to fold a fitted sheet. Oh, done. He's hired.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the best.
0: Just, I mean, it's a rare thing. It's a pretty rare trait. I know. I always just get really annoyed and, like, crumple them up, and I'm like, whatever, screw it.
1: Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah.
0: So moral of the story is Gallo's perfect you know
1: oh and of yeah. course he's got the protect little, him
0: at all costs the, he's got the whole fitbit contest going with violet like of course the only reason they have it is to be competitive with each other love it
1: love it. ship them yeah just
0: yeah just i'm all about anything blake
1: yep he's pretty perfect. much he's perfect
0: so we also had engine and this was funny this was really this funny. Was really funny Brandon, will you take us through this
1: Yeah, so basically, Clarence, um, one of the engine guys that we kind of see but never actually spent time with, um, goes home with a fever. And so Bowden's like, hey, Mouch, you should ride engine for the day. And Mouch's like, yeah, sure, why not? Apparently, Mouch was on engine for the first five years of his career. Didn't know that, but. Didn't know that either. Fun fact. Mm -hmm. So, as it turns out, Clarence has worse than a fever, he has mono. So he's going to be out for a little bit. And apparently Engine has some big evaluation the next day. So Mouch is like, you know what? I can help you guys out. But then, so I guess Herman gives him some, like, handbook thing or whatever, you know, with all the, like, rules and regulations. And Mouch starts freaking out because everything is different from when he was last on Engine. (laughs) So he goes to Ritter and is like, dude, help me out, please. And Ritter, of course, agrees because, you know, Mouch is the person mount he owes his career to mouch so like duh Mm -hmm. and ritter helps him out and it still doesn't do mouch any good like so much so that mouch basically has to resort to a cheat card in his pants (laughs) that was amazing i think my favorite moment though is like when ritter is like sitting here like going through all the rules or whatever and he's like you know he's like you're only on page two like we gotta keep going or whatever like he i forget what the exact advice was but ritter like spews it out and match is like i told you that didn't i and ritter's like yeah you did
0: oh yeah from the crossover in last season yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah. something about a civilian i don't remember exactly the wording but like ritter spits it out and match is like oh yeah i told i told you that he's like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh so perfect um yeah. And basically though, as it turns out, they didn't even have the evaluation. All the Chief Walker guy wanted to do was drop off the vehicle registration. And Herman's like, Huh, funny, right? Like <laughs> Oops. Um And so Mouch though, like gets back at Herman and takes some extra money out from Molly's as like overtime pay and then gives Ritter a hundred bucks and Ritter's like Cool. Cool.
0: Hmm. There's a lot of good Ritter gifts that come out of this one. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, Ritter was amazing in this episode too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, pretty great. Um, when he was giving Mouch crap about the hose, that was hilarious. Uh, when he basically like, when he found out that Mouch was cheating and he was like, give me the card and like went like through that part of like, the truck to get him. Oh my god, that amazing. That was so funny.
1: Amazing. So funny. Yeah. It's just, ugh, we're so blessed with Ritter too. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: Chicago Fire, the new class, so man.
1: I know. Amazing. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, that's the engine storyline.
0: So we also had Brett um, and this Brett storyline's ramping up to be something really interesting. And so, um, Brian, will you also take us through Brett?
1: Yeah. So basically an adoption intermediary medi- medi- that Brett has been ignoring via email ends up showing up to the firehouse and delivers a note from Sylvie – from her birth mother, and so Brett takes it to Casey and is like, "I don't know what to do," and then she's like, "I need you to trash it for me." So of course he takes it, but spoiler alert, he does not in fact trash it.
0: Saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah, I know, so obvious.
1: And so then Brett later goes up to him, and is like, "Hey, do you saw my letter?" And he's like, "Yeah, I do." And she's like, "I told you to trash it. Why didn't you trash it?" Blah 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 blah. And then like makes her makes him do it in front of her. And so he does. He throws it in the garbage. But then, of course, this is still weighing in Brett's mind. And so she calls her parents um, and just, you know, wants to hear their voices. But, like, ultimately that whole thing helps her realize that, like, her parents are still her parents. And, like, meeting, whether she wants to meet her or not, or, like, read the letter at least, like, anything having to do with her birth mother doesn't change the fact that, like, her parents are her parents. Mm-hmm. So she shows up to Casey and asks for the letter back because she's like, I know you didn't really trash it. I know you went back and like got it out of the trash when I wasn't looking. And so he gives it to her and she's like, will you stay with me while I open it? And He's like, yeah, of course. And so she opens it, though, and it's not an actual letter. It's just a name and an address. But.
0: Yeah. Did you think there was a kiss coming when she rolled up to his house?
1: No, no. I mean, it felt like a very like romantic scene, mm-hmm. like, you know, showing up to his house, whatever. Like, it felt very reminiscent of Brett showing up to Antonio's house in whatever season that was. Yeah. Um, But I didn't think about it necessarily in this moment that I, I, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I know it's coming soon, though. Like, it's, it's so obvious that it's coming.
0: So, I mean, what do you think of the fact that she's going to Casey with this and she's not going to Stella and Foster?
1: I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Casey's going to tell it, not that Stella and Foster won't, but, like, maybe she thinks Casey's going to tell it to her straight. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know if she's going to him.
0: Do you feel like this is forced at all?
1: What, they're, like, forced? Um. No, I mean, I see why people would think that, if that's how they feel. Mm-hmm. But, like, if that's something they want to explore, then they're going to have to figure out a way for them to spend time together. Right. Right. Like, I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel forced, but I can see why people say that it feels forced. Mm -hmm. If that makes
0: sense. I mean, at the same time, though, I appreciate it, though, because they're really taking the time now to set a foundation between these two
1: right and i at least agree at least now it's like actually they're doing something that's not just them kind of giving each other flirty looks right Mm -hmm. Right. like i was annoyed when i was just kind of like oh like flirty look here flirty work there like we don't have feelings but we don't want to say anything. like that stuff was annoying and i was over that like now there's actually like content that has nothing to do with them having a romantic relationship to each other and i actually really enjoy it so i appreciate this slow burn i did not appreciate the other slow burn
0: Let's be real though, if they had kissed, you know, with the, the, the non slow burn, I don't think we would have been mad.
1: I mean no, but like still. Right, right. So. Hmm. Alright. Any other notes about fire? No. I like this episode. It was written by um Neil McCormick and it was his first produced episode ever of television. A so first cool. produced script. Yay. Congrats, Neil.
0: Yeah. Come on the pod, awesome. we don't bite. Yeah, yes, please, please come. Please, please, yeah. So, awesome. Yeah, solid episode. So, moving into PD. Our girl Rojas finally got to shine.
1: It's about damn time.
0: It was good. She crushed it.
1: I really liked this episode.
0: Same, same. I really liked it, yeah. So, we start off and Kim is coming home from the hospital with Ruzik by her side. And, like, she does not look good. No no, And so you know Ruzik's trying to Talk normally and she's like you don't Have to do that and pretend like nothing's changed And so she just tells Ruzik that she needs Some space and so Ruzik's like alright He also mentions making his famous French toast which like Does Ruzik secretly know how to like be A kickass cook or something I need to know more about this I guess so Because remember in like Season 2 or season 3 he had his like famous Fettuccine Alfredo
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Yep, yep. I did see a tweet um, after the episode and somebody was like, they need to put together like a One Chicago cookbook now and like, you know, Ruzik's Fettuccine Alfredo, Ruzik's French Toast, and Gallo's Beer Pancakes. And then like Stella would have all the, the cocktail recipes.
1: Oh my god, yeah. And you can go like even further back with all the Mills stuff. Like Mills, I'm sure, had, you know, like a bunch of stuff. Gabby too. Yeah. Oh my god, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So... A friend of Rojas's, um, he stops by the district and he needs a favor from her. And so this guy was essentially Vanessa's caseworker when she was younger. And so there's an addict that he's been working with named Roberto and he's gone missing and he missed his job interview. And so he's like, you know, I'm sorry to come see you at work. And she's like, no, like you've been there for me since I was six years old. So not only are we getting a Rojas episode, we're getting a little bit of light into her past, which like, cool.
1: I really love the way they did that this episode. Like it was sprinkled in throughout. It was like, I didn't need, I think this is the way they should do these episodes from here on out. Mm -hmm. Like sprinkled in, like it doesn't need to, I don't need like a full episode based on people's past. Right. Right. But if you just continue to sprinkle little bits in here and there like this, that's totally fine with me. I really love the way they did this.
0: Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. And so um, Kevin agrees to help her find the guy. And even that scene was perfect. Like, he walks in the locker room. He's like, "Is that you, Rojas?" And she's like, "Oh, hey, morning." And you know, he's like, "I got your back. Like, let's go. Let's do this together. Like, row, water for the win."
1: Right. When even the thing too, where she's like telling him that you know Ben was her caseworker while she was a kid and whatever, and he's like, you know, like I'd love to hear the story. And he's, she's like, it's a long one. And he's like, I'd like to hear it one day. And she's like, when I'm ready. Like, I love that scene.
0: He's. They're they're such like they're they're really good friends. Like they're a pretty solid friendship.
1: I love them. So good.
0: So good. So Roberto's body is found in a dumpster and intelligence takes the case from there. And I also like the moment when Vanessa was like, listen, I realized this was a personal thing, but like, I think we should take the case. And Boyd was like, no, like, you found, we found a body. Like we're definitely taking the case. He's become so like supportive of his team. Like it's less tough, tough love now. And more like, he's just been straight up supportive.
1: Yeah. Which like, but, like, in a way, though, he's supportive enough to where he's, like, still going to bend the rules for them and, like, break the law and all that stuff, which, like, eh, I don't know if I really agree with all that stuff, but it's void, so, like, I'm not going to, you know, I can't get mad about it, but still.
0: Right, right. And so... um Basically, Rojas and the Upsteads, they roll up to this abandoned church where Roberto got jammed up the week prior. I about died when I saw a tweet that was like, Upstead and their daughter, Rojas. I was like, that's hysterical
1: and adorable. <laughs> and I love it. Well, and it's like, you think about the picture that Lisseth Instagram yesterday. Oh my god, like, so cute. In the context of that, well, in the context of that tweet. Yeah. Like, daughter Rojas taking a selfie with her mom and dad, like... <laughs>
0: I usually hate that whole concept of calling celebrities mom and dad. But in this instance, I think it's adorable.
1: Yeah, no, I do too. But yeah, you're not wrong.
0: Dare I call Rojas the captain of the Upstead ship? Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's ship captain.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, she's the one that pointed it out to Haley in the first place. So yes, 100%.
0: I still think those two had girl talk. And Vanessa was the first one to know out of any of us.
1: See, we disagree on that part, but still, she definitely... still. I mean, she still was essentially the first one to know. We just disagree on that part.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Vanessa is captain of the SS Upstead. Mm-hmm. So they meet one of Roberto's friends named Sammy, who basically tells them that Roberto was upset about the guy following him in the blue pickup truck. Did you get, like, 911 Lone Star flashbacks with the blue pickup truck?
1: No, but I will now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Again, another show we're watching. Whatever. So Sammy thinks that it's CIA. And so security camera confirms they were followed by a blue pickup truck, which was owned by a Joe Mason. So the Upsteads go to Mason's house. They chase after him. Jay, like, not really slide tackles him, but, like, clips him by the ankles or something. I don't know. Um, and, of course, the guy's like, I didn't do anything. And Jay's like, where's the fire then? Like, what are you doing? Whatever. Of course. And, yeah. And so... um, Mason gets brought in and he admits Roberto stole coke from his car. The two of them went to a house that Roberto was squatting in so that Mason could get his coke back. And they find out that his alibi checks out. He didn't kill Roberto. Cool. So, Row Water, they go to the house that Roberto was squatting in. And she does indeed mention that she spent some time in the streets back in the day. I love that, like... And I, I, I love that, like, she admitted it, but like it's only because, like, it's because it's Atwater asked. Like, he's genuinely curious about her, and he wants to know about
1: her. Right. Well, because she, he was, like, she, like, says the whole thing about, like, knowing that they don't usually lock the windows, even if they lock the door. And he's, mm-hmm. like, how do you know that? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so okay. good.
0: So they find a ton of blood. And so they know that Roberto was obviously killed there. They also find a book that had Sammy's name in it. So basically Sammy lied about knowing where Roberto was staying. So they go back to the church to find Sammy. They don't find him, but they do find a pair of bloody sneakers. Shit. So they can't find him anywhere. They go talk to his caseworker. She says that he thinks the government's trying to poison him. So he won't take his pills. And so they track Sammy down to this field house. And we've got to talk about this kid who plays Sammy, okay? So this kid who plays Sammy, his name's Luke Slattery, and he is so good in this role. He killed it. Totally killed it. I mean, I feel like a lot of the supporting casts in, like, the, the last week or so, on all the shows, right across the board, like the patients, the minor characters on the PD, like, you know, the cases, like, the victims of the cases on, you know, all that, they've just crushed it in the past week or so.
1: Because the casting offices kill it. Mm-hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So this kid absolutely crushed it. And so they track Sammy down. He freaks out and he runs onto a public bus and pulls out a knife. And so Rojas talks him down and she is so good with him. Like, so good. She doesn't patronize him. She doesn't talk down to him. She just talks to him like this is normal. And
1: And that's like another... Information about her past. She was like, you know, I was like squatting with this woman who like had, you know, something similar, like a mental disorder similar to him. And so she like has experienced that again. Another tidbit about her past, like just effortlessly thrown in there. Like I love it. Yep.
0: Yep. So good. So, um, brenda will you take it from here?
1: Yeah. So basically, they take him back to the district and Sammy's like, the reason that I had the bloody sneakers is because I was in a room reading or in a different room at reading at Roberto's when he heard a guy who pretended to pretends to be a social worker come in and then the next thing he knows that the guy was stabbing Roberto
0: is this the scene when um, it's Rojas and Haley and Rojas is like damn Haley like you have a phone
1: yeah as a way to trick or not the not the trick Sammy but like fake him out so he thinks that they're not being yes but yes
0: that was cute though and she Uh, was like I think Rojas enjoyed that
1: right and so jay comes in though and basically says that someone like at that moment is trying to cash a check in roberto's name and so the security cam footage matches sammy's description of the guy and they put two and two together and basically figure out that this guy's the guy who killed sammy or roberto and his name is Eduardo salazar and the fbi has been looking for him for a long time so like of course someone call
0: oa and maggie
1: right yeah or the kids at o Most wanted, whose names I don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically Salazar hangs around the homeless looking for the right physical match so that he can kill them and then steal their identity. Like you do. Right. Like one does. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Sammy thinks Eduardo is coming for him because he saw Sammy when he ran out of the house. And then Rojas has to tell him that they have to take Sammy to the hospital because, like, legally, that's what they have to do. And Sammy does not want to go. Because, you know, he thinks the government's coming after him. Mm -hmm. So, intelligence then goes and, like, they end up finding the house where Salazar's girlfriend is. So, they go after her. And she doesn't really say much, but they do end up finding a text from Salazar on her phone that basically just says, like, chasing more Roberto paper. So, like... Stealing everything Roberto had. Which is not a lot. But still. So Rojas goes to see Sammy at the hospital. And tries to get more information out of him. Um, And he just keeps going on. About how like. They're trying to poison him. And Rojas is like. Well I'll test the pills. And if they come back clean. Like you'll promise me to take them. And he agrees. Because he trusts Rojas. And she also gives him a phone. In case they need it. Or he needs it. So. Voight and Ruzik have this talk. They're like. I forget where they were going, but they were going to check out something and they have a talk and Rusek's like, you know, Kim's doing okay. I'm just trying to give her her space. And Void's like, well, how are you doing? And he's like, you know, I don't think I've really processed it. You know, like I spent all this time trying to wrap my head around having a kid. And then now I'm trying to wrap my head around not having a kid. I, which go ahead. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, I... yeah, has to be tough. Like I get it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I feel for Adam. I mean, of course, my heart breaks for Kim. I feel for Adam, too, because the whole thing here is that, like, he's feeling some sort of way, too. But, you know, he wasn't the one who was pregnant. And so, I mean, there's got to be some pressure there that, like, he's not almost he probably feels like he's like not allowed to be upset about it.
1: Right, which I was really glad they included this scene. Like, I would have been glad if they had just done the Kim stuff, but I was really glad they included this scene because I think it's important.
0: Well, and I'm just glad Voight finally asked because there were certain points of this episode where I was just like, why is nobody asking how Kim's doing? Why is nobody, like, texting or calling her? Like, she's alone with her thoughts. Because it's PD.
1: I know. Because it's, I mean, yeah. But, like, there, um, were, but, I, yeah, no, I'm...
0: there were a lot of Upton and Rojas scenes in this episode, which were fantastic, by the way. But also, like, you know women usually band together how are they going about their job not like thinking about kim and wondering how she's doing
1: yeah that's a good point um but yeah so we got that and then they end up finding salazar and like shooting him but not killing him um but rojas gets bad news though that sammy took off from the hospital so Rojas go back to the church, or Rojas and Upton go back to the church and Alex, who's the veteran they met earlier, um, basically says like Sammy has a gun now. So Sammy turned on the phone Rojas gave him at one point so now they know where he is. They can track him. Um, and they end up finding Sammy, but when he hears the sirens outside, he starts shooting in the place they're at and like runs out. So Rojas tracks him down to this convenience store and she sees Sammy at one point reaching into his pocket and thinks he's going to pull out the gun and shoot her. So she shoots him first. But when comes in and like searches for the gun, she can't find it.
0: I didn't realize that this was probably her first officer involved shooting.
1: Yeah, because she's like brand new.
0: But like you forget that she's brand new because she's so good.
1: Right. Well, and she's been around at this point, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, Whatever. But I felt so bad yeah. for her,
0: though. When, like, when Voight was talking to her, I was like, oh, that's a stress cry if I've ever seen one.
1: Yeah. And so Sammy is stabilized. He's in the ICU, but he's stabilized. And Voight tells Rojas that they found the gun. Okay. I had this, like, moment for a second. Is Voight lying here? I think he is. I think he is. Um, okay. I'm not Or crazy. I think – because I, I couldn't
0: catch, like, exactly what he said. So I think he's either lying or he – because when, when she left and Haley had said something – And he responded. They both had this look of like, Oh, okay. So I I couldn't tell if he had said that, you know, I I had patrol check the alley again. I guess they got lucky. Um, meaning like yeah, Yeah, he lied. Yeah, I think that's what he said. And so yeah, I think he totally lied just to like calm her
1: nerves. But you like Okay, so then what are the consequences? If he lied and they don't find a gun, like that's, I mean, like, I, I'm i on who has his side, but, like, isn't that not a thing you're supposed to. Because obviously, you're not supposed to shoot someone who's not armed. This mm-hmm. is the whole Antonio Voight situation from whatever season that was on the roof. I've blocked it all over high. again. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this is essentially that. Voight just lied, and, like. Like, you know what? I don't know. I'm just, like. You know what I'm trying to say here, though? Like, yeah, this yeah. should be more serious if he actually lied and they didn't find the gun.
0: Which, like, then it comes down to, like,. What, what a standard procedure for them. Like, I, I, cause I, I feel like Rojas had enough suspicion to, you know, think that he had a gun, you know, she was told that he had a gun and then he reached into his pocket.
1: Right. But that doesn't do anything if they didn't find a gun on him. Right. if they didn't find the gun. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree with you, but if they didn't still find the gun, like Upton saw the gun at first too. So we know Rojas was not line that at one point he did have a gun. Yeah. But if he, then, If the gun isn't found, she's still guilty. She still shot an unarmed man.
0: Remember that time Roman killed a guy and Voight made it go away? I
1: I was literally just about to bring that up. Mm -hmm. This is like the Roman situation all over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, like, so I don't know. I just feel like they kind of brushed this under the thing and made it seem like, oh, yeah, it's fine, whatever, you know. Like, I get why she did what she had to do, and I'm not blaming her. Mm -hmm. I just feel like based on past precedent, this should have consequences if is actually lying and there is no gun i mean but i have a feeling we're never gonna talk about this again so like
0: he doesn't actually lie though all he says is like oh i had patrol check the alley like
1: i guess they got lucky at face value that's like okay cool no but he lied because she asked like did they find the gun and he's like yeah we found the gun i don't know but you know what i'm saying like you know what i'm saying this should be a bigger issue than they're actually making like i don't know i feel like we should from here on out, like, Rojas should be in trial and blah, 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 blah. And, like, if we'd actually lied, but, like, we're never going to talk about this again, so it doesn't matter.
0: I hate that I, like, disagree here because I'm just like, but it's Rojas, you know. And I hate that I disagree here because no, usually and I, I'm like, you know.
1: I agree with that. And mm-hmm. I agree that she did the right thing. I'm just saying, based on past precedent and, like, the actual situation, if Foyt actually lied, and if he didn't lie, then it doesn't matter because they have the gun and, you know, she's fine. But if she if we did lie, which again, I think he did, then she should be like, this should be like an issue. Yeah,
0: it's not going to be.
1: And I know that. And that's kind of what bugs me Mm -hmm. is like they hinted that is lying, but they're going to throw it under the rug.
0: I mean, it's Voight. He eats lies
1: for breakfast. I know, but especially I feel like, too, because this is like the perfect moment which, again, they'll never do this because they're going into a crossover next week. So, like, we're going to f- literally forget about it. Like, because Rojas is a brand new cop and, you know, she doesn't really. I mean, she knows, but, like, she's never had to experience this before. So if she messed up, this would be the perfect time to teach her a lesson. And, you know, like, it just it could all work. And they're not going to go there. And it frustrates me.
0: I don't know. I wish I
1: had something wise to say in response. And I don't. I don't know. It just bugged me. Like that whole scene. I was like, oh, Forwasa is going to get in trouble. This, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it like never went there. And I was like,
0: what? I mean, but if she gets in trouble on her first officer involved shooting, she's going to get spooked.
1: Yeah, but again, it makes for great story. But we don't do personal here, so.
0: We do more personal here than we do on FBI.
1: Tis true. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know it just it bugged me when I first watched it it still bugs me now I will never watch that again because I can't watch it without getting mad I
0: mean wait was wait was trying to protect her because she's a new cop and like it would have I mean she already had her confidence shaken just by the simple act of shooting him and so like pile onto that and that really would have shaken her up
1: but I feel like they investigate these in the past again in the past going off past PD precedent Mm -hmm. they take these things very seriously That, like, whenever someone shoots someone, they have to get, like, vetted and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they take the evidence and, you know, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I just feel like they're not going to do that for this. I got nothing. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. I know. I just my own, like, frustration. But Mm -hmm. still. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway. So, Rojas goes to visit Sammy in the hospital. And she, like, brings him a book for when he wakes up. And she kind of ends up crying by his bedside.
0: I would have really liked Atwater here with her at this moment or Upton.
1: Yeah, but I feel like that's something she needed to do by herself.
0: Fair
1: point. Um, But so Kim the episode ends and Kim comes to see Voight, and he's like, you know, we've got a lead on a case. And once like he's like, if you want it, like the lead's yours. And she's like, I know what you're doing and I appreciate it. Um, But obviously she's like, I'm not ready. And he's like, you know what? There's no rush. Like whenever you are ready and fade to black <laughs> she she does not look good no she looks fucked up which i mean as she should be because this is a terrible trauma that she's been through yeah. but like adam yeah. too i mean
0: adam yeah too. which like again my heart breaks for both of them because adam probably feels like he has to be the tough guy and yet he's you know feeling just like right. devastated
1: yeah which i'll be curious to see again how like the roman aspect plays into this next week in the crossover if it does at all i know marina so there's not really like he doesn't really have an effect on them but still like i feel like it's got to bring up something at some point right right
0: so so i don't know any other notes about pd
1: no, I really like this episode, though. As much as I, like, have beef about the end, I, like, I do really like this episode. Same. And I liked getting to know, how. Uh, like, it was about time we had, like, a Rojas episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's about all we've got for this week. So, as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. It's Us at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, because you made it all the way to the end of this episode, please, please, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. We've got two new ones as well. Um, We got two new reviews. We got one from someone named Shatera. I think I probably said that really wrong. Um, And then we got another one from Kristen. And I'm like trying to stall so I can pull up these reviews, but it's totally not working. Um, And of course my phone wants to be like nice and slow, but hang on, I'm going to pull them up. This is going to happen. Hold on. Like insert Jeopardy theme here. Come on. Got to love technology, right? Okay. Screw it. Mm-hmm. down. Okay. Yeah. So we got a review from Shatera and Shatera said, Thank God I found this podcast. Literally no one of my friends understands the importance of One Chicago. LOL. I may or may not want to be BFFs with Gina and Bryna, but for real, they're doing the Lord's work and I'm so thankful. Shatera, we want to be BFFs with you too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and the one from Kristen says... Love this One Chicago podcast. These women do an amazing job. Love their discussion of the episodes and the interviews of the One Chicago cast and crew. They are the nicest people, too. Was lucky enough to get the opportunity of meeting and hanging out with them last year at the con for the One Chicago shows. Would definitely recommend listening if a fan of One Chicago. Kristen!
1: Yeah, we love you, Kristen. We
0: love you, Kristen. Thank you. Yay. So, yeah, if you don't mind taking a moment to leave us a rating and review. Oh, we would so greatly appreciate that. It does help grow the audience and it helps other pe- people find the pod. So cool. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I met Gina watches TV, Bryna.
1: I am at Bryna K 13.
0: So we're taking next week off um, the shows aren't on. We're actually both going on vacation. Um, and so, yeah, we're taking next week off, but we will be back the week after. To cover the shit out of the crossover and probably talk about how much we hate Roman all over again because, you know, yeah. 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 So, um, otherwise, yeah, everybody have a good weekend. Hopefully, you get a three day weekend. I do. I'm excited. Um, have a good weekend and we will see you the week after next. Bye.